This week, we are running a special 50% off promotion for our NFL Starter Pack. Just in time for your fantasy football end-of-season push. For only $5, the NFL Starter Pack grants you complete access to all content on the Sharp Football Analysis site, including game previews, providing actionable information for betting props, fantasy, DFS on every single matchup, injury reports, waiver wire targets, and a deep dive into the referee assignments for the week. Along with that, every single Sunday morning, you're going to be sent our top player props of the week. Just Google Sharp Football, click on the website, Sharp Football Analysis, and then click on the blue banner at the top of the screen to get access. What is going on, Sharp Football Fantasy family? It is the resident Swami of Konami, Rich Rebar, and we've been gone for a couple weeks here. We had Thanksgiving and didn't record because of timing. I had an off-field family matter that I had taken rearranged schedule last week, but we're back, and it is a huge week. Week 14 of fantasy football, typically the last week in most fantasy leagues. I know it's kind of the final playoff week in FFPC formats. And we've got an interesting week, six teams on by. So I had to tag in a, a real good guest here for the prime stretch. Uh, you guys know him as the late round quarterback on Twitter. It is my guy, JJ Zacharisa. JJ, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? What's up? It's great to great to chop it up a little bit with you. I mean, we do it all day long anyway mm-hmm. via text and DMs and stuff like that. But it's good to good to sit on a show and, and do it with our voices. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I got to tag you tag you in. It's like, oh, when's the best time to, to use JJ? Is it when like uh, I'm in a bind and I can try to play the front like I'm a good friend card or like do I just bring him on for like the stretch run? And we kind of worked it out. It's like, yeah, let's bring on. Let's try to set up like this this, this playoff caliber of, of runway here and get kind of the best of the best on. Uh, so I figured this week, too, especially with all these teams on by, I mean, we're going to need you this week. Yeah, it, it's a rough week, man. It's a rough, and there's like these random injuries, like no, literally, like you know, it's one of those things where like I'm writing a waiver column, you know, I'm doing my 15 transactions column, and I'm like, I want to talk about a Seahawks running back, but I have no idea what's going on in Seattle mm-hmm. right now. You know, there's just you know the injuries going on, bye weeks going on. It's it's a rough week. It's a tough one. Yeah, and you figure you've got a lot of teams probably trying to fight in for that either last playoff spot or hold on, not losing points. I'm in a couple of leagues here. I'm like, I'm on the bubble, and it's like, well, I need to score points. Uh, I feel really grateful for the leagues that I just don't need to win this week. Yeah, uh, It could just sit back because there's chaos out here. Yeah, you and I are competing for some some buys right now in a couple of leagues, which is which is always fun. Um, but yeah, man, you know, it's nice whenever you don't have to worry about this stuff uh, whenever you already locked that thing in. Yeah, losing a bye I could deal with. Losing not being in the playoffs is a yeah. whole different different conundrum, yeah. especially if you know you've they're not the greatest teams on bye this week, but there's like guys that are impact, you know, especially like the, you like there's teams that have been riding Justin Fields, right? And you know, Justin yeah. Fields is an on board. Christian Watson's literally like one of the hottest fantasy players uh in in the league right now. We don't have him on the board. We don't have Jonathan Taylor who's been getting you know a high workload. I don't know how many teams of Jonathan Taylor are like alive at this point, but hey, if you are, it's in a weird year. Uh, there's a lot of guys off the board. Uh, Terry McLaurin's been on fire. So there's a lot to kind of recalibrate and adjust. And then you brought up the injuries, you know, it looks like we're not going to have Lamar Jackson, you know, playing this weekend. We'll see if Trevor Lawrence plays. It looks like he will just a lot of injuries and, and backfield stuff to kind of walk through. But I always kind of like to start the show with like a topic that, that revolves around the guest. 
And, you know, you have done more quarterback research than literally anybody in the game. I mean, you you, you posted an ebook originally. It's kind of how you got started back in, man, 2011. Is it crazy yeah. to think about that? Like, it's wild. I don't want to think about it, man. I don't want to think about it. I wrote the County Code article in 2013 at Number Fire, and it's like, man, 2013, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but you've done a really good job of kind of the the recalibrating how to handle the quarterback position in the NFL. And this year, again, we're seeing that like these these top front end quarterbacks still are providing this positional leverage over the field. It's not so much just Josh Allen. He's been kind of run down by Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. But you look at the top seven quarterbacks in ADP. And I, the reason I use top seven is because I think it's it's fair to include Burrow as like a front end QB one starter from like a perception stance coming into the season. Uh, and then after him, it's like then Brady Rogers, like Russell Wilson. And I think that it's clear, like it's fair to include Joe Burrow in that top seven quarterbacks in ADP as being like a tier of itself. And so far right now, those guys have accounted for 40% of all QB one scoring weeks this season, 49% of all top six scoring weeks this season, 64% of all top three scoring weeks this season. And of the 13 weeks, this year, those guys have nine of the weeks that have paced outright quarterback position. So when you look at kind of how the quarterback position is for fantasy, uh, is there still more adjustment to be made on like getting one of these really good quarterbacks? Is it like a like a late round QB tier one game? Like how do you think that the position is changing and how we're going to approach it going into this next season moving forward? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of funny. I like handcuffed myself by uh, being the late round QB guy. And then, you know, all this happens when realistically, I feel like this is the one thing, you know, I have plenty of stuff wrong, but this is the one thing that I feel like I was ahead on with, with the way that uh, the quarterback landscape was changing and shifting and stuff is basically like after around that Lamar Jackson season uh, when he mm -hmm. won MVP. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, historically, most top quarterback uh, ADP uh, has made sense. Like if you were drafting them in like the third maybe early fourth round like if you're getting the qb1 in fantasy football but now we have let's just look at josh allen in particular we have this unicorn in josh allen um who seems like he's going to be the guy year in and year out you know that's different from years past years past we'd see some fluctuation there like if a guy mm -hmm. was the qb1 who was giving you this massive edge you know he didn't necessarily do that the next season and, and year over year but josh allen is proving to at least be that guy and i think that you could probably throw mahomes in there uh, to, to be that dude to some degree. And then maybe we see Jalen Hurts continue this post, you know, 2022. Um, you know, but so, so I, I think that that what's really changed and what's shifted and what we need to recognize and what we should have recognized, you know, last few years is we have far more predictability at the quarterback position than we've ever had. Um, and the reason for that is not only in this year in particular, not only are like the the low end QB ones, high end QB twos, just not giving you anything where like they are totally replaceable by streamers, but these guys are still, you know, the higher end QB ones are giving you uh, a good production overall. Uh, but what, what we've seen over the last few years is that you have great passers that are also now great rushers. And we didn't see that before back mm -hmm. when you wrote the Konami code article in 2013, you know, we were talking about Tim Tebow and Terrell Pryor <laughs> and, and then, you know, even Cam Newton, when Cam Newton was getting that cheat code with the, with the rushing uh, uh, component to his game, it wasn't like he was like that great of a passer. I mean, he had that 2015 season, you know, with Ted Ginn as his, his wide receiver one, but it wasn't like, uh, you know, Newton was like lighting it up through the air the same way we see it from Josh Allen, the same way we see it from Jalen Hurts this year, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just really, really important to recognize that uh, number one, this is a trend that's been happening. Uh, mm -hmm. But number two, the more data points that we have where, 
you know, Josh Allen, or if we see this consistently from Jalen Hurts, the more data points we have from these guys, the more likely it is we're going to see them get drafted higher and higher. It just makes sense to do that. It's, you know, it's not so much that these guys are giving you like that dramatically better of an edge that they did historically. Uh, If you look at numbers from like the top three quarterbacks, top two quarterbacks versus a replacement level one from 2015, from 2016, from 2017, I'm looking at results here, right? So how they finish the season, the difference between those high end quarterbacks and their replacement level player, not really that much different than what we see this year, what we're going to see pre, I mean, this year, maybe a little bit more, uh, they might look a little bit better, but uh, you know, overall the trend has been pretty consistent. The difference is the guys who are giving you that huge edge are the ones that we were drafting early in fantasy drafts. And it's all because of that dual threat ability and the way that they're able to throw the ball well and run the ball well, you know, where we go from here. Uh, I, I mean, I think we're, we're in a, in a world where Josh Allen's going to be a second round pick in, in a lot of leagues next year, if not first round in a lot of casual leagues. Um, but you know, I think eventually we're going to get to a point, you know, it didn't happen this year. There were some unfortunate injuries to like a guy like Trey Lance, who, um, you know, could have been a guy who, who popped Mm -hmm. and became like a top five option, but we're going to eventually get to the point where there are 11, 12 quarterbacks who are capable of giving you that QB one season, which is where we were throughout the 2010s, right. From like 2012 to 2019 or so. Uh, you know, not only was the predictability not uh, not there, but we had a lot of guys who were just able to to jump and, and become, uh, you know, the, the top quarterback in fantasy football. One of the funniest things is if you look at 2015, if you look at 2018 and you look at the R squared, the correlation between top 18 quarterbacks and how they perform by ADP and how they performed by the end of the season, there was zero correlation. In fact, in 2015, the bottom nine quarterbacks versus the top nine quarterbacks performed better than than from from an ADP standpoint. Uh, but you just aren't going to get that anymore. You're just not going to yeah. see that. So as a result of that, we have to draft these guys earlier because you're not going to find as easier of a time getting a late round quarterback who hits. I mean, there's going to be one or two every year, probably just like we get uh, at other positions. You know, Justin Fields this year has been that guy, but it's just going to be a really, really hard thing to bank on uh, year in and year out until we see that quarterback pull kind of fluff out a little bit. Yeah, so so I look at a lot of my rosters this year, and obviously it's in context of the season. And the the best teams that I have are these teams where I got in on that frontier of quarterbacks and kind of rode that wave. So kind of if ever, if we all kind of know that we're going to gear towards that. I mean, how high is too high still? Like, are you going to be still? Are you going to be looking to be the gamer that tries to get Josh Allen, or are you still going to be looking to try to just see how? that tier plays out like wait wait for josh Allen to come off the board and then try to play like the subsequent next couple guys yeah I'm, i mean i'm probably gonna approach it the same way i did this year which is that way you know mm-hmm. it, it was I, I don't have that much josh allen on my fantasy rosters but i have a ton of jalen hurts i have yeah. patrick mahomes you know i have these the, the guys where they came right after allen you know a round or two after allen um and you were able to get a discount but you felt comfortable with them potentially matching his production in some way started out a little bit rough, but like you said, you know, at least things have evened out a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. since about week five or so. Um, and so, so I, I do think that approaching things in that way next year is going to make a lot of sense because the other thing that people don't think about enough is uh, when you're the first core, and we've talked about this a lot, but when you're the first team to draft a quarterback, you're running a risk of really devaluing that pick because you don't know for sure when yeah, the when rest QB2, of your league yeah. is going to start gobbling up quarterbacks. Because hypothetically, let's say you get Josh Allen in the second round next year, and then no one drafts a quarterback until round six or seven, and someone gets Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes in round six. Well, you probably feel a little bit bad about that that value that you got from Allen in the second round. So that's another thing to to keep in mind when drafting these guys is, is knowing your league and knowing 
how teams typically draft. If a lot of teams are going to like, if, if Justin Herbert and like, you know, some of these more traditional pocket passers uh, are being drafted in the second round and you get Josh Allen in the first round and that's not that big of a deal. But uh, when the, when the, when the pool gets stretched, you know, if you can get these guys later, um, then that's when you can, you can really devalue the position. But I do think approaching it similar to this year, next year is probably going to be the go-to play, you know, it's just getting that second tier of guys. If you want to call Josh Allen, you know, his own tier of quarterback. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see too, uh, you know, how we do that next year, right? How 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 do we handle that next year? Do you still want to get in as like a guy that has a QB one ADP and have like a cutoff, or do you look at guys like we can still play the archetype game, right? Like you can target a Trey Lance, you can target a Justin Fields who is outside of there. Uh, Tua was getting uh, an influx of weapons, right? Like you know, there's a reason why he's kind of hitting. Like then Geno's the surprise, right? Like Geno's the out of nowhere guy yeah. this year. Because I do look at some of the, the decisions I've made the past couple of years, and I found that when I go early on the next year quarterbacks, I end up, you know, just be having a lot more fragility. You know, that guy this year, listen, I was I was in on Russell Wilson, and my Russell Wilson teams have no longer had Russell Wilson for several weeks. Right. I have immediately moved on, and it's okay. I was able to bridge the gaps and, and get some good players that I've been able to, to – to make some things circum circumvent some things and make those rosters work. You run into a guy like two or a guy like fields, but do we want to invest in that tier? Do we want to pause on that tier at all anymore? When you look at the guys like Brady was there this year, Rogers, uh, you know, it's probably unfair to, to say Dak Prescott's the injury, but do we, if Matthew Stafford was in that tier this year, like those guys were all very much trap plays. Uh, is it going to be like a tight end situation where we kind of just, we miss out on those top tier guys. We kind of just hold. Look, I'm personally not going to get a traditional pocket passer as my QB one in a regular redraft league. I just don't think it's worth it. And it hasn't mm -hmm. been worth it. You're going to miss out on Tom Brady's crazy year a couple of years ago or Aaron Rodgers MVP seasons, whatever. You're going to miss out on those years, but you're also from a process standpoint, you know, you're not going to get screwed year over year because it's very easy to fall into then the, the Russell Wilson trap this year, which I did too. Like I had Russell Wilson on the spots too, but I, I do think that what you're describing as well with like a guy like Russ is that. The reason we're not going to, or the reason we probably shouldn't see a guy like Allen or Hertz or Mahomes be first round picks in fantasy is because there is still a very clear replaceability factor going on at quarterback. You know, you can still get uh, players late every single year. This is, it's, it's, that's the, the late round quarterback still technically exists. Like we're still seeing, you know, late round options emerge every single season. This year it's been Fields. And, you know, you mentioned Geno off the waiver wire. Um, and to, uh, uh, so you have these like later round options that can still save you if you do take one of those guys. But I think just leaning into the archetype and going after the, the mobile guy and hope that the passing numbers are there. Cause remember, I mean, you've, I mean, you're the, you're the one who writes about this, I'm not saying remember to you, I'm just saying, remember to, to who yeah. we're speaking to here, <laughs> but you know, remember the, 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 the rushing component is more for floor rather than ceiling. The ceiling mm -hmm. really comes when Me those guys well. can throw the ball too. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so that's yeah. when like Justin Fields best games this year, aside from when he just like rushes for 180 yards, but his best games this year are when he has a couple of touchdowns through the air, you know, it's, it's when he's actually doing something uh, as a passer as well. So you're just kind of crossing your fingers that that component can come, which is exactly why Trey Lance was on everyone's radars this year, because the rushing component was going to be there. And then we're seeing, you know, Brock Purdy come in and have a decent game against Miami because anyone can do well in that system. Right. So hopefully Trey Lance would be able to do well in that system. Um, so yeah, I, I still think it's, it's focusing on that archetype and getting the mobile quarterback and then, you know, crossing your fingers that they can really bring it together as a passer.
Yeah, yeah, that all makes a, a ton of inherent sense. And it's fun to watch the evolution of it, too. I mean, we love that this is why two QBs have two QB leagues have made have come on in such importance uh, as well to not just because there's viable players at the quarterback position, but that it also circumvents kind of that top tier, right? Like it's yeah. it, it adds a different wrinkle because, you know, do you try to get one of those guys in the first round and then that allows like really good other players, skill position players to go in the, in the second round. I mean, Justin Jefferson and Superflex Leagues was going in the second round this year in some leagues, you know, Jamar Chase, those guys, uh, because people want to get that front wave of quarterbacks. So yeah, definitely important people to check out. Still adding a second quarterback position to their leagues just to kind of make the quarterback position interesting and make it so it's just not, hey, if you don't have one of these guys, you really can't compete. Uh, definitely check that out. But yeah, we're going to jump into this unique week. Uh, like I said, final bye week. It's typically the last week to try to the fantasy regular season. We're going to talk about some kind of like, you know, you know, streamers, you know, guys, the, some situations that are kind of we have to reach in the bag and play this week. But you brought up Brock Purdy, and I want to touch on him because I don't think you're going to name him as like one of your top quarterback streamers this particular week against the Buccaneers. But he's basically going to be the 49ers quarterback for the remainder of this season. Uh, you have 49ers skill players on your roster. We all do. They're good players. How are you handling this situation kind of moving forward? Who are the players you kind of have the most confidence in in this offense with Purdy under center now the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, look, we've seen success from backup quarterback. I mean, I see say success relatively, right? I mean, just from like a backup quarterback standpoint, we've seen some success like Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard within this this offense and within the system. And the reason for that is because it's all predicated on Yak. I mean, this if you look at everything that Kyle Shanahan has done with San Francisco uh, you know, since he got there, he's just drafting guys who can uh, create yards after the catch. They got Debo Samuel, who's probably the best at it in football. Brandon Ayuk, who I think people don't realize is really, really good at it. I mean, he was one of the best in college football, like history at creating yards after the catch. Mm -hmm. Brandon Ayuk was. Um, and then obviously George Kittle, who is arguably the best tight end at creating yards after the catch in the league. And then they add Christian McCaffrey, who, uh, you know, can do a lot with the ball in his hands as well. So it's one of those systems where uh, as long as the quarterback can be a good distributor uh, and let his weapons do what they got to do, um, they can be fine and they can at least sustain. Uh, and this is an offense where, you know, the A dots can be a little bit lower. They're not going to throw it deep as frequently. And then when you get a downgrade at quarterback, it's the, the, the deep ball frequency is probably going to drop even more. I mean, Brock Purdy last week had a 13%, 15 plus air yard rate, uh, which is lower than, you know, quite lower than league average, like four or five percentage points lower than league average. You know, Jimmy G never push it down the field, but you would assume that, uh, you know, Garoppolo is a more accurate and just better passer in general. So I think as a result of that, the biggest loser is probably Brandon Ayuk right now, who is really coming on strong uh, over the last month or two, kind of low key too. I feel like not a, enough people are recognizing, you know, how strong he was from a fantasy perspective. Um, but I would assume that, that Ayuk is, is the, the biggest loser, if you will, from this move. Um, and I'm not really someone who's saying that like, this is going to be neutral for all of the guys on that team. You know, when, when you, when you downgrade the quarterback position, um, which we should expect this to be a downgrade, he was a backup for a reason. Um, you know, when you, when you downgrade your, your offense isn't scoring as many points, you're not going to be as effective moving the ball down the field. Um, and so that obviously affects everyone, but I do think that of all systems and of all places where a quarterback would get hurt and a backup would come in, this is the spot where those weapons could be able to maintain, you know, some of their fantasy relevance, some of their fantasy value. Um, you know, someone like Debo, for instance, might actually, uh, you know, where, where we were seeing things trending downwards for him, maybe it just sustains uh, as a result right. of this because they just give him a little bit more work closer to the line of scrimmage. I just think there's going to be lots of creativity close to that line of scrimmage. Um, we know that Kyle Shannon can, can draw some cool stuff up. Um, and, and I do think, you know, at the end of the day, again, the biggest loser is probably going to be Brandon Ayuk from this. 
Yeah, that, that makes a lot of inherent sense. The schedule is, you know, pretty favorable. And you look at the defenses that Purdy's going to face, at least through the fantasy, you know, playoffs. Even if you do go to week 18, you get the Cardinals. But yeah, Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders. Yeah, Ayuk is interesting because uh, I don't think a lot of people know when he was going, when he was leaving Juco to go to Division One, Alabama actually offered him a scholarship just to be their kick returner. I didn't know uh, that. That's crazy. Yeah. And he chose Arizona State because they told him he could play wide receiver yeah. too. Uh, yeah, he was one of the, he was literally one of the best kick returners in college, like ever. Um, yeah. yeah, pretty, pretty crazy story. He's a return kicks in the NFL, but yeah, it's always a fun nugget when I think about him, you know, his profile, you know, coming up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of these things when you look at the 49ers and Purdy at the lowest eight dot in the NFL last week when he came in, but that's throwing a lot of passes. They can throw to Chris McCaffrey. They can throw to Debo Samuel. They can do a lot of things. Maybe they'll throw to George Kittle one day. I mean, you just have to yeah. keep putting Kittle in lineups. What can I tell you guys? It's the, it's the. Kyle Pitts thing, right? Like you just have to put him in because right. tight end position, right? And just hope that the ball finds him. But yeah, I, I figured you were going to name him as like kind of the streamer of the week. But yeah, you know Lamar Jackson, uh, you know down this week. Uh, how are we reaching into the bag here at quarterback position? Who's kind of some of your favorite plays? We can talk about some of these guys because I think a lot. There's a handful of really interesting yeah. quarterback plays this week. Yeah, look, I mean, like if, if Jared Goff's on your waiver wire, he would be the traditional mm -hmm. one, I think, this week. Like if you were, you know, he, he's just rostered in like half of leagues, so he's not like the total traditional streamer. But yeah, I mean, you got to love Goff this week. Minnesota's secondary has been terrible, uh, especially on the perimeter. Um, you know, so so hopefully guys like a DJ Chark, and maybe maybe they give Jamison Williams a little bit more uh, love this week in a divisional game. But, uh, you know, DJ Chark in the perimeter this week, you got to love. Uh, and then, you know, the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown is Amon Ross St. Brown and is just a very, very good player. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be able to, to, to throw the ball in Minnesota this week. So, uh, you know, in this game, high over under Goff has been solid. Um, you know, I, I think he's a really, really good play, but I, I think the more like traditional streamer, I, I mean, I don't say this with that much confidence, but it's probably Ryan Tannehill. Uh, you know, I, I, if you look at, um, so I, I adjust fantasy points just by, by schedule. So w the way that I do it, uh, my adjusted fantasy points method, uh, Tannehill has faced, uh, the third toughest QB schedule this year. So he hasn't really had it easy per se, uh, you know, throughout the season. Uh, you know, I know that, that, uh, he hasn't been good over the last like four, he's averaged like 16 points per game over his last four, but he's faced bottom 10 defenses by that adjusted fantasy points allowed method. Uh, in each of those games. It hasn't really been an easy stretch for him. The only top 10 game that he's played this year within that metric is was Vegas back in like week two where he scored 19 fantasy points. So at least we we saw him, you know, come through in a good matchup. I just wish that Traylon Burks were healthy. If Traylon Burks mm -hmm. were healthy, I'd feel really confident with Tannehill being better than some of these other options aside from Goff. But, you know, and then you get this Trevor Lawrence injury too. If Lawrence doesn't play, I don't think you can go in the, in the Tannehill direction because there's not going to be that that back and forth uh, within that game, not that we expected to be super high scoring, but you know, 23 point implied team total. Um, you know, he's probably like a, a solid enough high floor play. And then you just kind of hope with a guy like Tannehill that he can, that he can rush it in for, for a touchdown. Cause we know that he can do that uh, every mm -hmm. now and again. So I think Tannehill's probably the best of the worst, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, quarterback streamer this week. Yeah. Definitely guys that are out there, like in majority of leagues. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this, this defense, the Jaguars is put, are putting on the field. has just been deplorable. Yeah. Uh, the 31st in the league over the past five weeks and yards allowed per play, just everyone is getting there. We do the, we always have the element of like their home favorites, the Titans that is. And it's like, man, if they're even up like three points, are they just going to ramrod Derek Henry and these two yards yeah. per carry he's getting the last month. Something's definitely still not right with Derrick Henry. You know, Thorman brought it up in our like text thread. You know, it's like, yeah, since he's been on the 
the injury report a couple weeks ago. Like he's really not breaking any tackle. Last week I saw was the first time he didn't break a tackle in his career in a game. I didn't see. Uh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely nuts, nuts stuff. Uh, yeah, but so maybe you're just hoping too, if like they just continued, like the, the run game maybe is just broken a little bit. They have to be more aggressive throwing the football, and that kind of just leans into it no matter what this game plays out. He's interesting. Um, th- what are you doing with like Tyler Huntley, right? Because Tyler Huntley is that archetype of guy we talked about. He, he He's going to run. But he's attached to a team that has a 16 and a half point team total uh, this week. They're on the road. We saw him humbly play the Steelers last year and really struggle. And to be honest, like we rushed, Lamar Jackson really wasn't getting there for us right. for fantasy football. So how are we handling Tyler Huntley? Like you, you have confidence in him? Yeah, look, you nailed it. Like, I, I I think if you were to pull fantasy analysts this week, who the best traditional streaming quarterback is, I'd probably say 90% of them are going to say Tyler Huntley. Um, And, and I, I understand why. Like, I don't have Huntley that much further down in my rankings versus, like, Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. this week. But I do think that, like, our, our perception of Tyler Huntley is skewed a little bit because of that, like, 36-point game that he had against Green Bay last year. Uh, if you look at the five games that he played last season where he had 30-plus pass attempts, uh, four of those games... Uh, were under 16 fantasy points, but his average was 16 fantasy points because that one game just skewed that number mm-hmm. completely. Uh, you know, his his expected points uh, added per drop back was really poor. According to number five's expected points model, it was minus 0.12, which is horrific. Um, you know, I, I just think that we have sort of a skewed perception of what he is as a quarterback right now. I don't, I don't think he's like horrible or anything, but I just think we have a skewed perception based on that big performance he had against Green Bay last year. And then, you know, like you said, Lamar Jackson has not been that good in fantasy football. He's averaging like 16 fantasy points per game since week three or something like, I mean, it's, it's not been uh, very good for Lamar. So I don't know why logically, of course, anything can happen. You know, we, 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 we understand range of outcomes here, but I don't understand why logically we would expect Tyler Huntley to all of a sudden be a 20 plus point performer. Uh, and like you said, not the best match. Steelers are playing a little bit better with TJ Watt back. Uh, and since they're by defensively, uh, you know, the, the, they're, they're playing at home, their favorites. Uh, this game has like a 36 and a half point over under, um, you know, like you said, their implied team totals, like six, uh, it's under 17 basically at every book. Um, so it's just from a process standpoint, it's not great for Huntley. I think you're really hoping and really probably needing him to find the end zone on the ground to be able to be viable. Yeah. I, I meant to look up before the show and I totally forgot. I meant to look up to see if the Steelers were the, had the lowest implied team total for a favorite. favorite. Yeah. yeah. This season it's under 20 points. It's, it's rough. It looks rough out there uh, yeah. in that game. Uh, how about a streamer? We have been streaming We pre- people have streamed the last two weeks uh, have been, has been Mike white back that QB one scoring weeks against the bears and the Vikings teams we picked on. Uh, if you have been streaming Mike white, are you streaming for him this week against the bills? Or are you rolling him just out with confidence again? Um, I'm, I'm probably hesitating to, to throw him in my lineup this week against Buffalo. Buffalo has been banged up a little bit defensively and they, they're getting some, they've gotten some guys back. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more confident in that defense than maybe how they've played over the last like month or so. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, like, like you, you noted, Mike white has not played the best, uh, secondaries and defenses in the world over the last couple of weeks. They get a Chicago team that's running out like second stringers. And then you get a Minnesota team that's just been beat up in the secondary all season long. Um, so I'm not like shocked that white has been decent, uh, in those games, uh, you know, and he does have a really good playoff schedule too, from, from a fantasy standpoint. Oh, yeah. So like, if you need like a streamer type type player for the fantasy playoffs, the weapons are at least there for New York. You know, you can at least make that argument feel a little bit of comfort, 
uh, with Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis, and Bam Knight's looking good and all that. But uh, I think in this game, I'm just a little bit worried that things could go south. I mean, it's not like, you know, he's, he's been good, but he's also been facing uh, some really, really good defense. When you adjust that a little bit, he doesn't look nearly as good. Yeah, we, did, we saw a little bit of the uh, – he didn't fall off like he did last year, but we saw a little bit last week. You know, he only completed 54% of the passes. They, the 57 pass attempts are what got us there basically in that right. game. And you might have a run out this week too where they have to consistently chase points. Uh, but the defense is so good that that doesn't really right. typically easier to, to yeah. happen. Yeah, easier uh, to do that against Minnesota than Buffalo. Yeah, so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they play. Also, it's interesting too is the Vikings actually they, – they play a ton of zone coverage, but they – they broke down and played a bunch of man coverage last week, and Mike White was was absolutely dreadful against man coverage last week. Uh, just 4.4 yards or pass attempts, 6 to 14 passing. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams approach uh, moving forward, trying to calibrate, you know, defending the Jets too. Because you would think that you wouldn't see a lot of that based on the weapons they have, but really Garrett Wilson's the only guy like, really shredding. Yeah, so yeah. maybe no one's just scared of Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. But, huh. yeah, it sounds like, yeah, you're in a more hold Mike White for the playoff schedule. You know, if you can pick up a guy on the roster, you know, if you can pick up a uh, – would you – obviously, I think you'd have golf over him. Would you play Tannehill over Mike White? Yeah, I think I'm going Tannehill over him. And I, I think you could argue, too, Huntley over over White this week. It's not like their totals are, like, that dramatically right. different, too. Um, And you're at least going to get the rushing juice from from Huntley. So I, I think I'd, I'd still – I think I do have Huntley maybe one spot ahead. They're – they're all sort of like grouped in a similar ish tier. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's Tannehill, then Huntley, then white this week. All right. Well, one of the other guys I want to touch on here is Deshaun Watson. Uh, obviously people were holding Deshaun Watson or picked him up a couple of weeks ago, knowing he was coming back. He looked like a guy that hasn't played quarterback in yeah. a couple of years against the Texans. It was just extremely rough, but he plays in one of these games this week. When you look at this slate week 14 from a top-down stance, there's not a lot of high totals, not a lot of games that look like they could go back and forth on paper, but the Browns-Bengals is kind of one of them. Uh, you know, Obviously, from a confidence standpoint, you definitely don't have a lot of confidence in Deshaun Watson, but are you willing to give him runway again this week, or do you need to see it before you play him in any lineups? I mean, I think that you probably, so I'm looking at my rankings right now. I, I think I have them at like QB 12 or something like that. Cause like you have to, you know, you have to look at what's going on in these other environments and say to yourself, well, it's not very, and there's, there's a pretty big drop off at quarterback as it usually is, but there's one this week as well. You know, if Trevor Lawrence plays pretty good spot against Tennessee. Uh, you know, I like Jared Goff uh, a good bit as a top 10 guy. Uh, you know, Kyler should get, should get there. It's not horrible. It's not the best environment, but it's not horrible. So you just go down the list and you're like, okay, now you're getting to like Derek Carr. Now you're getting to like, uh, you know, Tom Brady against San Francisco and, right. and, and Tannehill and stuff. And you're like, you probably got to go with Deshaun Watson in this environment. The one thing I'll say about last week against Houston, number one, Houston's been good from like a fantasy points allowed standpoint to quarterbacks this year. Um, you know, despite the fact that they've had some injuries in that secondary of late, but uh, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with scripts has to do with the fact that teams are just running it on them uh, and running it effectively on them. So teams can just do that. Now Watson didn't look good, uh, you know, on, on his, uh, on his uh, sample that we saw of him throwing the ball, but there were some, at least some positive signs where he, uh, he was running the ball a little bit. He had seven rush attempts this past week. Um, you know, we, we hope that that continues. And if they're in a negative game script, um, I, I think we're just going to see a, a way, way different aggressor from uh, Deshaun in terms of how he's throwing it down the field. He only had a 9%, 15 plus air yard, uh, throw la or, uh, uh, rate last week uh, against Houston. If you're in a negative script against Cincinnati, which is likely, um, and Cincinnati's played better at home than, than on the road defensively, but regardless, if you're in a negative script against Cincinnati, you're going to have to throw the ball down the field a little bit more than you did against Houston. Um, then you just got to hope that your playmakers can can get it done and you can you can score some fantasy points that way. And there's going to be more scrambling, I would assume, 
uh, as well out of him. So conservative, conservative approach, but that was sort of to be expected. And then on the limited sample we saw of him throwing the ball, yeah, it did not look good. I mean, he was not very effective. Um, but you know, you're hoping that another week of reps, getting that that play time, um, you know, can can improve his game a little bit. Over under looks decent. Um, you know, the game environment looks a lot better. So I, I think you still have to go like, you know, if Trevor Lawrence goes, I think that's sort of like the line of, of where Deshaun Watson is this week, just because there's a lot of ambiguity around his actual game. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, and I'll just throw out one last guy. If you're really desperate, he's out there. Mac Jones may be uh, in play to against the Cardinals who have a lot of QB1 five of the past six games. I like him less than the other guys Same. we talked about as well. But uh, that's that game could potentially be fun too as well maybe i don't know i say that in context of week 14 yeah no you're hoping that this game is sort of like the, the thanksgiving game right with right Minnesota, uh where it, i mean look, the, cardinals, the cardinals from an adjusted fantasy points allowed standpoint they've uh allowed about 3.6 more points uh to opposing quarterbacks than those quarterbacks typically score so mm-hmm. mac jones you know 12 13 fantasy points and you add that you could see him getting over six but he's only gotten to 16 points once this year i mean he's not He's not yeah. been a good fantasy quarterback. So that's exactly. the main reason, even though the matchups there, that's the main reason it's really tough to get, go that direction. All right, let's move on to some quarterbacks and just uh, some, you know, the running back landscape this week, which is definitely lost more players, I think, than any other position for fantasy. When you talk about Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Jonathan Taylor, uh, it's probably a mercy that Alvin Kamara is on by this week for a lot of people. David Montgomery, uh, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson have been in lineups. So we're missing a lot of running backs. We're going to have to reach in the bag here, and we're going to be playing some some guys that maybe were typically flexes or guys on our bench. But we also have some situations that have gotten really muddy. Uh, and let's start with, with Miami, right? Because Miami plays the Chargers. And we always look every week, well, who's playing the Chargers this yeah. week? You know, who, who, who can we play? Jeff Wilson looked like he was kind of like the clear 1A in that offense, and then Raheem Mostert outsnapped him on Sunday. No one really ran the football last right. last week for the Dolphins. So if you have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson now, you've been eyeballing like, well, hey, I can use these guys in this Chargers matchup. I mean, how are you handling this backfield this week? So I, I think that, you know, we, we see these games every once in a while where it's like it gets so out of hand and it's just so bizarre. And the, like their pass rate last week was like 83, 84 mm-hmm. percent or something like that. I mean, like it, it, it's such a bizarre game script and and, and uh, play calling uh, game environment for Miami last week that it's hard to really buy into those splits the same way you would the the three game sample or whatever it was with Jeff Wilson since he got to Miami. I mean, Wilson played more snaps than Mostert the first game against Chicago whenever he got to Miami. Um, so I, I think we should feel better about Wilson still over Mostert uh, this week. Uh, and the matchups there, right? You mentioned the Chargers. They get run on by everyone. Um, and I would assume Miami is going to still try to attack that way, even though they have their weapons. I mean, Miami could could put up a lot of points against the Chargers this week, right. like realistically. Um, and so, uh, you know, just given given that there's so many buys and such, I think you can still go back to Jeff Wilson and, and then use, you know, Wilson is more of like an RB2 and then probably most are more as like a flex, just given the larger sample that we've seen between those two guys since Wilson's got there. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other situation that just a team that just that plays the 49ers this week, who the Dolphins just played, is the Buccaneers. And we saw them Monday night with Leonard Fournette coming back. It, it looks like one of the worst things that could happen for fantasy football, right? Because yeah. like this, these guys aren't even in like roles. It's like a, like they're just interchanging interchanging both these guys in the offense, and they play the 49ers. So Leonard Fournette, Rashad White. How confident are you playing both these? I mean, you probably have to play them if you have these guys based on a lot of rosters this week, but 
uh, tough spot and tough situation to kind of diagnose this backfield. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, it's sort of like what we would see with New England when Damian Harris is healthy, except the difference is that Damian Harris leaves the field on third down. So Ramondre Stevenson still playing that like 70 plus mm-hmm. percent snap share. Whereas with Tampa Bay, they literally are just rotating each drive. I mean, it, it's just one dude over. And then and then at times when they get to the red zone, they'll just like flip guys. If they have like a long sustaining drive, they'll flip guys out and they'll rotate guys that way. So it's just a mess. It's a complete disaster from a fantasy perspective because we, we can't confidently say it's going to be a Lenny week or it's going to be a Rashad White week because they're not necessarily playing specific roles in that offense at this point. I mean, they're doing the same thing. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of us at this point in the season probably thought they would start using Rashad White a little bit more in the passing game versus Lenny, right? Um, and that just hasn't necessarily come to fruition. Um, you know, we saw a little bit of that, uh, but but this past week really uh, hurt things. And then, and then Rashad White had that fumble this past week, which is, you know, whether how we view it versus how a coaching staff might view something like that, um, you know, is a little bit different. But tough matchup for him, right? Like, I think you're at a point where, you know, I have a decision to make right this week where if Deontay Foreman plays, great matchup against Seattle, now, do you, and I have Rashad White on that team. Am I going Deontay Foreman over Rashad White? And I think the answer to that is probably yes right now, just because there's there's a lot up in the air with that Tampa Bay backfield. So, um, you know, if it were a better matchup, like the way that we look at Miami going against the Chargers, I think you could easily throw both of those guys in the lineup, but it's a rough one against San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. I have uh, a Rashad White versus Damian Pierce. Uh, oh, man. Oh, oh. It's just like the heart of darkness. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's an actual true RB spot. It's like not even where I can just like plug mm. in a receiver. So uh, I, I'm prepared to see like how that one plays out. But I, I probably will go Rashad White and Apple Janet, but uh, yeah. on the surface right now. But uh, I do want to talk about another one that a situation that's not ambiguous in the sense of these guys are splitting. But we've got Joe Mixon coming back off this two week absence, essentially a three week absence. Uh, Samaji Piran played excellent. Uh, in his absence three straight top 10 you know fantasy games their peripherals on like a per touch basis look almost identical like Piran basically provided the same output that Mixon had do you think that Mixon just goes back to the workload he had this week uh, or do we think Piran maybe uh, isn't put completely back in the bottle I, think I know that's gonna... kind of vague but like no no, no, know, no I got you I got you I got you I think we're going to see more like 2021 mix in usage, if that makes sense, because this yeah. year he's been running more routes. He's been seeing better target share in the offense, but I wouldn't be surprised if they start using Samaj P run in that role a little bit more, just given what he's done over the last couple of weeks. Now, hopefully this is a more ground and pound, uh, you know, positive game script type environment for Mixon and for the, for the Bengals. I say, hopefully for, for anyone who has Mixon, uh, cause it, it really looks like that on paper, right? I mean, Cleveland's defense has just been bad, but they've also been gashed on the ground this year. Um, and, and I, I, I do think that Mixon's going to see that early down roll still. And, and Zach Taylor said as much, but, um, you know, I've been guilty of this, like on my shows and stuff and, and talking about this, but how Samaj P Ryan over the last couple of weeks has basically been better than Joe Mixon, um, you know, from like a fantasy point scored standpoint, from a running back rush share standpoint, from a target share standpoint. But we have to keep in mind that when Joe Mixon has played, Samaj P. Ryan has played. Whereas when Samaj right. P. Ryan has played as starter, it's been with Chris Evans. It hasn't been with, with Joe Mixon. So the, the level of competition is a little bit different there. You have to keep that in mind. Samaj has looked great, though. Um, I do think that Mixon's still going to be you know, close enough to a, to a bell cow. Like you got to start mixing this week, obviously. Um, and P Ryan maybe in a deeper form, deeper PPR format, maybe has some flex appeal, but I would, I would probably prefer uh, P Ryan if they had a similar game environment, like last week against Kansas city, where that, 
that potential shootout is there. I don't know if it's necessarily there to the same degree. I mean, it's definitely not to the same degree, you know, going up against Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense if you got to still be in a bind to, to take a shot on him still. Uh, last week, too, we saw the Bills. They've done this a couple of times, like over the past month, where James Cook is starting to get some more run. They We did it, uh, you know, going into Thanksgiving, right? Like against the Browns, James Cook had gotten a little bit more run, and then Thanksgiving, it was all Devin Singletary. Last Thursday, James Cook played just, you know, one fewer snap than Devin Singletary. We also seen Naheem Hines basically matched the amount of snaps he's played since joining the Bills uh, last week. He played 23 snaps last week. He had played 24 snaps to the Bills prior to that. Uh, it looks like the, the Bills are trying some stuff out here. I mean, if you're in a bind here, how confident are you in going to James Cook that we're not going to get, you know, Lucy with the football like Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, with Cook historically this season before this little stretch, um, you know, some of his big usage games have also just come from like garbage time and stuff, because obviously Buffalo, you know, leading in games and such, they'll throw him on the field. That Tennessee game comes to mind, right. like in like week two or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a decent enough play. Like, I, I think he's war- like he warrants a flex start. Uh, you know, th- this week against, against the Jets. And, and the thing that you can sort of like use as a backbone is that over the last two weeks, he's actually been pretty involved in the passing game. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, he had a 13% target share this past week was an 18% share. So you at least have that like baseline, you know, like, like what you would get from like Antonio Gibson or something like that. And his, his kind of role that he's been playing in the Washington offense this year. I think that's what you're probably looking at with James cook, but obviously it's a much better offensive situation than what you're going to get in Washington. So, uh, I don't mind him this week. I I think he, he makes plenty of sense. Um, and I, and I, I think that we're going to see him be used more and more, you know, down the stretch. I don't think it's ever going to be a situation where he's a workhorse. I mean, he, he wasn't a workhorse in college. You know, he shared the backfield as Amir white. He wasn't drafted to be that guy. I mean, it's very clear that Buffalo has wanted this archetype uh, for a while. I mean, there was, you know, you, you had a, a, um, a JD McKissick, you know, fake signing with the bills this off season <laughs> and then going back to Washington. And then you have them draft James cook. And then they trade for Naheem Hines. Who's a great pass catcher. But they, they've wanted this kind of archetype which is why I don't feel as confident in Singletary like being a week-in, week-out bell cow workhorse, get a lot of looks through the air because their actions throughout this past year have shown us that you know they're trying to get this other dynamic piece in that backfield. And he's looked good too. I mean, he's had a, a very similar success rate uh, to Devin Singletary this season. So I think James Cook is here to stay. Um, and given the fact that he's a rookie, given that we see uh, that trend of rookie running backs and wide receivers do a lot better during the second half of fantasy seasons, uh, he's definitely someone who I would want on my roster and someone who I think you can flex this week. Yeah, I think, too, when you look at the Bills and the, the kind of the evolution of this offense as it's gone on, they're, they're trying a lot of things out weekly because, I mean, they're just not getting a lot of production out of anyone outside of Stephon Diggs. Yeah. And yeah. I think that they're really trying to just, uh, you know, like to the word of the show, I guess it's calibrates like the Pee Wee Hurt, the Pee Wee Playhouse week. But, like, they're trying to just find out what they want this offense to be because, you know, Gabe Davis isn't really chipping in. Isaiah McKenzie has been really spotty in terms of production. I wish they would play our guy Khalil Shakur a little bit more, uh, give him, give him a little bit of a, of a sample to to run some routes, but that's not really happening. And that's kind of impacted why the field is kind of caught up to Josh Allen a little bit. Obviously the the elbow injury is probably a, a factor in here at some degree too, but he's averaging just 237 passing yards the past six games, eight passing touchdowns. Uh, that's really fallen off here, but just because it's been all digs, it's been all digs. And I think that Buffalo is really trying to find something, this offense. Um, 
and, and James Cook might be the outlet, giving him a, a more more run to close the season. Uh, one guy we did see get more run that we know is electric last week is DeAndre Swift. Kind of you know wasn't on the injury report. You know gets the most touches he's had since week one. He was he didn't practice on Wednesday, but I don't think that's a big deal. We want to see the Thursday Friday practice stuff yeah. with him. But uh, yeah, how confident are you now at DeAndre Swift? Because he was one of those kind of guys that was looking like a volatile flex play, like he might run into a touchdown, but. If he's back to getting, you know, 15 touches, like there's a lot of upside here. Uh, so how confident are you in, in him? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously anything can happen with the way that they've deployed these running backs. But, you know, sometimes there's gradual uh, uh, movement upwards and snap share with these guys where it's not super dramatic. Like, I, I think people want there to be like these dramatic shifts in snap shares where, where a guy goes from like a 20% share to a 60% share. And we're like, oh, you got to get him off the waiver wire this week. He's going to be the starter now. You know, Swift was playing in like the low 30s for a while, percentage wise and snap share, uh, you know, basically since like week eight or so. Um, but at the same time, it was at least trending upwards. Like it was trending in the right direction. Um, and he he continued to see uh, good work in the passing game. I mean, he's seen a, a 10% plus target share every single week since week one. So you, you at least have a baseline with DeAndre Swift um, in PPR formats. And then this past week happened where he had his best snap share since week eight. Jamal Williams had his worst snap share of the entire season this past week. Um, you know, I, I think if you watch it or if you even look at the data, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Swift just is a more dynamic runner and player in the backfield than Jamal Williams is. No shade to Jamal Williams, who's probably the most likable human being in the NFL. Um, but, you know, DeAndre Swift is a better running back than, than Jamal Williams is. And the other good thing is that Detroit is still competitive, right? Like that's right. another thing that, we got to keep in mind is that if they're going to be competitive, they're going to throw their best players on the field and try to win these games. Um, and that's to, to me and to, to logic, I think is Deandre Swift. So, uh, you know, and you look at their, their rest of season schedule too. Um, I mean, they get like the jets, the Panthers, the bears. I mean, it's a, a really, really good schedule for running backs and pass catching running backs uh, where um, you know, some of these, these teams are, are top 10 and adjusted target share allowed to running backs. Uh, they're all pretty good uh, in, in terms of adjusted fantasy points, allowed to running backs. I'm back in on DeAndre Swift. I mean, I wasn't really out on him per se, but I'm I'm in on him at least down the stretch as being. I don't want to say I don't I don't like throwing around the, the word league winner because uh, I think it's kind of yeah. silly. Um, you know, and, and he was also drafted early, so it's like, is he really a league winner? But I think that he can put together, you know, maybe high end RB two production, uh, even maybe higher. You know, having spiked weeks too down the stretch because things are really lining up for him right now. Yeah, it's all about those pockets of production, man. Are you in the right pockets of production? And he looks like a guy that could give you the right pocket of production at the right time of the season, uh, which is, you know, what we're looking for. And, you know, the, so I have DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne in a league. Uh, how nervous are you to play Travis Etienne this week? Obviously, most people aren't in a spot where you're just going to sit a guy like Travis Etienne, but uh I'm going to play Swift over ETN. Is that one? You can tell me if that's wrong, but then, then just tell me how concerned are you this weekend with him? I have in half PPR, <laughs> half PPR. I have ETN literally one spot ahead of Swift right now in my rankings, but in full, I'd probably go Swift over ETN. So I'm, 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 I'm with you there overall. Um, yeah. I mean, like there, there's concern about ETN for sure. At least the, you know, the matchup's not great against Tennessee. Just generally if Travis or Travis, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, that's real bad for the offense in general. And he's just not being used as a receiver. He hasn't seen a 10% target yeah, share in four killer. straight games. I mean, that's that's the biggest issue with Travis Etienne right now. Uh, so it's frustrating. So I, I think in, in your spot, uh, you know, I still think Etienne is probably like a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 this week just because mm -hmm. of the environment. But 
you know, in your spot, like DeAndre Swift, great game environment, usage is up. You know the targets are going to be there. If you're in a full PPR league, I think I'm going Swift over ETN. Yeah, there, there might be some guys in that bubble, like a James Conner. You might you might consider too, uh, just because of the workload. But yeah, definitely definitely tough to sit. Uh, let's let's hit the wide receivers for a little bit. I don't have any like specific like wide receiver plays, but uh, to say like you, you, I'll let you kind of reach into the bag here and see what the you know you can bring to anybody's you know stocking as we head into the holiday seasons. But uh, who who are some of the the wide receivers that you like that kind of like typically would be starters in a typical week? Yeah, I mean. Uh, one guy who I think is actually a, a, arguably a top 30 play this week is DJ Chark. Um, yep. you know, going up against Minnesota, Minnesota has not only been bad in the secondary, but a lot of targets get funneled to the perimeter against them. They have one of the, the highest rates in the league of, of, of teams targeting, uh, perimeter wide receivers. We know that that's where DJ Chark lines up really high over under in that game. You got the domed environment. I mean, things are looking good. The only thing about Chark this week is what if they do use Jamison Williams a little bit more? Like what, like we don't know exactly where his like rehab is and, and what their total plan is, but I do think Chark logically makes a lot of sense. And then if you want to like, if you want to like get really ugly with it, um, Kendall Hinton is kind of, kind of there. Uh, you know, they, they, I mean, this is how bad this slate is too, for the record, but yeah. you know, we, we saw, we saw Hinton with a 28% target share a couple weeks ago. So we at least know that that's feasible. Um, they get Kansas city, likely no Cortland Sutton, negative game mm-hmm. script. I mean, he could, he could fall into eight targets in this game and, and that could, you know, that could be enough in a, in a PPR format in, in a, in a flex spot. Yeah, no, I, I like those calls. I mean, who, who is, I'll ask because you, I know you play in a lot of leagues. Who's the, who's the worst wide receiver you have in a, in a spot right now? I might have to play in a league. So it's probably, <laughs> probably be hinting. Otherwise uh, maybe I'm trying to think I'd probably say, um, I also might have to go with Nick Westbrook Aquina in the league. So that's that, that, and that might be even worse. Yeah, brought him up on the show last night that I did with him. He is, he, he dropped some Westbrook Aquina. Oh, yeah. I like, I don't feel, I mean, I feel awful about it. But hey, me. yeah, that's where a lot of people are, though. I mean, you, know, so yeah. you get six teams and buy injuries, rosters are depleted. Uh, yeah. You got to reach the bag. I think a lot of people are going to look at Elijah Moore. Uh, I'm a little more hesitant because I think yeah. the match business is good and, you know, it's one thing to say you had six targets. It's another thing to say you had six targets in a game where the other where you had fifty-seven pass attempts. Uh, yeah. I think I'd have a lot more kind of confidence in Corey Davis. I still think than I would Elijah Moore in that offense if you have to go in at those bags. I have no idea who's going to play for the Texans this week. I don't think you need to worry about it either because yeah. uh, it looks like Nico didn't practice again today and we're recording this on Thursday, so we could be really in the dark here. Uh, interesting enough, tight end not impacted. Uh, by buys this week really but i think that just more in context of how bad the tight end is there's really only a couple good ones but who do we got for some tight end dart throws this week i got a lot i actually think it's like an interesting week for tight end um you know one of them who i I feel like hasn't been talked up enough uh within the space is is daniel bellinger um you know last week he gets an 18 percent target share uh third most routes on the giants the giants obviously lack pass catchers in that offense and they get Philadelphia this week. And Philly's been a team uh, where teams have not been trying to, to attack them on the outside. They're really going uh, in the slot in the middle of the field a little bit. Uh, tight end target share, adjusted target share to tight ends against Philadelphia is 11th best in the league. So I could see Daniel Bellinger hitting that. Like, like I think we're going to see a pretty consistent like 15% target share week in and week out mm-hmm. from Bellinger. And that's good enough at tight end. I mean, you don't see that at tight end very often. So I actually added him in a lot of spots this week. I think he's like a low end tight end one overall, um, you know, on this slate. But there's there's some other guys too. Like I I like 
Uh, Hunter Henry against Arizona, you know, he's hit. 13. Okay. I was going to bring him up to you to, if we yeah. could trust either. Cause you know, obviously like we brought up the dolphins and chargers, like everyone always looks All right, Well, who does the Cardinals play? Can I stream this guy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, look, Hunter, Hunter Henry's seen a 13% target share in three of his last four. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't love him because it's hard to like be really into a pass catcher for new England, but the matchup's absolutely there. Target share has been decent enough. It's been better than what it was earlier in the season. Uh, so yeah, you could go that direction too. I think he's, he's sort of lumped into that tier. Yeah. I think we'll see a lot of people, uh, go to, uh, Chickazee and McConquo. Do you have any, uh, the, in the, in the late round QB rookie guide, uh, how did Conquo look? Yeah. I didn't do any tight end stuff. I only did the running oh, back and wide sorry. receiver stuff. This, this, <laughs> this off season though is, is tight end model off season for me. Um, but yeah, look, a Conquo, I, I understand the allure cause he saw that, that, that jump when Traylon Burks got hurt. He's seen yeah. a 20% target share in, in three of his last six. Uh, obviously, Tennessee doesn't throw the ball that much, so that's not saying that that much. But, you know, like Robert Woods is like a 23% target share this year, and he hasn't done ab- you know, he's done absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. but, but with that being said, he's been incredibly efficient per route. Um, I, I can understand, you know, wanting to throw that dart or at least adding him to have that, that lottery ticket sitting on your bench. Um, you know, good, good uh, environment for him for the offense to just kind of work. Um, so, so I, I get, I get the Aconqua love this week. I, I would probably still go Hunter Henry yeah. and Daniel Bellinger over him because I think there's a lot of variance involved in, in playing, uh, Aconqua, but I do think that he's, he's a worthy streamer. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, uh, at tight end to, to worry about if you have to do that, right? Like if, if it's the Taysom Hill thing, right? It's why people yeah. have been playing Taysom right. Hill. It's like, well, his floors is, is the same as all these other jamokes like whatever i'm gonna play him uh yeah i think also too if you have to get like real real deep i think isaiah likely is pretty interesting too just because of what the construct of that offense and you know tyler huntley where he was successful last year was throwing over the middle of the field and um i i mean listen i don't have any confidence in demarcus robinson i think he's a very much deeper deeper play like you have to be really against it to go go that but uh i wouldn't be surprised to see him get another four or five targets which yeah. might be enough <laughs> if you're if you're gonna go if you're gonna go the likely route you could go the jack stole route too right uh, yeah going, going up against the giants i mean he's at least like he's he's at least out there running routes and that's Dude, all that really that's all we care about right yeah 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 so def- definitely i mean we know that uh some people are in some binds like that let's bring it home here with just kind of like a top-down look at the slate uh do you have a, a favorite game of week 14 like we're kind of using i usually use like the end segment to kind of almost like a dfs umbrella i don't know uh how much you know dfs you're, you're grinding out uh these days but we always look at the end here just kind of like a top-down look at maybe what we might be doing here with these dfs lineups yeah, look, you you obviously got to like the Lions Vikings game. I think that's that's pretty attractive. But I I might like the Chargers Dolphins game a little bit more this week, just in general. Um, and, you, know, you, and you don't get it on the main slate though. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just don't get it there. But but I will say, just overall, yeah. I mean, two two teams with a uh, top ten rate and in, in, uh, pass rate in neutral uh, environments this season. So that could that could legitimately shoot out. And then the other thing, you know, I mentioned it earlier with the um with the chargers defense i mean you can run on them but then you know that miami's gonna be, be able to pass on anyone i mean they could just like blow up offensively in that game uh but yeah i mean lions vikings i think from from like a main slate standpoint um just just make a lot of sense dome environment two teams that uh haven't been able to stop really much of anything defensively uh and uh you know the, the weapons are there um easy easy to stack all that uh so i, I think that that game is really attractive yeah, I mean, it's crazy because the Dolphins Chargers wasn't on the Sunday night game. They got flex there, and it's crazy right. how that impacted the slate so great. Because if you insert that game onto the main slate, th- things look a lot better. It would be a lot more fun. A lot more fun. <laughs> things look a lot better. When you when you replace 
uh, that with with Chiefs Broncos, uh, more more Broncos. And the Chiefs are, are a hard DFS team, anyways, because outside of Kelsey, who's always expensive, it's just hard to play these guys because they play literally everybody in their offense, and they, anybody can score. Uh, but yeah, we'll bring it home. Uh, we've talked about a lot of bad players to this point. Uh, people going into the, going into the waiver wires and their benches this week, but looking at it from like a slate perspective. Uh, who are some of the guys that like the good players you just believe are in like good spots, like in a cash games, like these would be like kind of your core plays, just like the, the JJ locks of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like, uh, I, you, you gotta like Tony Pollard this week against Houston. I mean, he's only 7,500 over on FanDuel. I think he should be over, over the 8k mark. Um, you Zeke's know, more expensive than him on FanDuel this week. What's that? Zeke's more expensive on FanDuel than Pollard. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so from a value standpoint, I think Pollard still makes a lot of sense. Yes. It's a split backfield, but you know, he got pretty good usage last week. He started that game even, and then he saw saw some goal line work too. Yeah. I mean, it was a really encouraging game for Pollard, I thought. Uh, but likely positive game script. Um, you know, Houston can be run on. It makes a lot of sense to go that direction. I, I already mentioned I, I like the Lions stack. I think it's super cheap on FanDuel this week. You get Goff at 7,100, um, and you can easily stack him with, with Amon Ross St. Brown, who should should have a nice outing. Uh, and DJ Chark, I think, uh, is, is the other option that you can go with. Or, you know, throwing deandre swift or something back there um you know that that makes sense to, to go with that stack and then uh you know that cleveland cincinnati game i think is probably like the the second most attractive sort of like mm-hmm. that you could go to um within the slate and in that game i think i think t you know i know t higgins scored last week but this could be a bounce back week for him uh you know cleveland's been really bad against perimeter guys uh i, I could see a scenario where they they really blow up uh, passing wise during that first half. And if they do get a lead, then it's Joe Mixon time, but um, you know, it's just a good spot for him overall. Uh, so I'd probably, probably say T would be another guy to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah. Bengals are Bengals passing game. has been real hot lately. Burrow's yeah. been playing out of his mind. Uh, beautiful, man. I love it. Love it. Let's uh, wrap this thing up here. Tell everyone what's going on in the late round QB world here to close the 2022 NFL season. Yeah, man. You know, just the same old with, uh, the content that I do. I got my podcast, the late round podcast. Um, you know, I'm doing four episodes a week there. Um, and then I have a Patreon, uh, which you can find over on lateround.com. Uh, there's the Patreon. I got a free newsletter, uh, that you can subscribe to. Um, but yeah, all, all over on lateround.com. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Definitely go check out all JJ's work, uh, as you hit the holiday season here and win these, try to win these playoff games that everyone's in. Uh, that's it though. Put, put a bow on it. Uh, easy, easy game for us here at the at Star Football. When you have a guest like JJ, just kind of let him carry, do all the lifting, carry us, carry the show for us. That's what we love to see. So good luck, everyone, in Week 14. We'll be back next week. I hope you guys all win those matchups in your season-long leagues. Hit the cash lines in DFS. Hopefully, someone tips something over so you can refund uh, the Christmas cash that you're spending over the course of these months. We'll see you in Week 15. <laughs>